When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Tea nourishes and inspires. It is an ancient plant-based medicine that simultaneously heals and energizes the body as it soothes the mind. Making fine tea is a blend of artistry and craftsmanship. The $200 billion tea trade is fundamentally local, yet exerts global influence, employing millions to enhance the well-being of all. Hello, everyone. I'm recording this week's headlines from Tanzania, where I'm visiting the farmers on tea gardens of the Sakari Tea Cooperative. Here are this week's headlines. Unilever, Kenya, pays tea workers harmed in 2007 attacks. Tea is powering Taiwan's bottled beverage market. And big tobacco companies infuse rooibos with nicotine. Plus, the story of tea in Assam is fascinating. It dates to antiquity as one of the birthplaces of tea and remains relevant today. Situated in the Brahmaputra Valley, Assam reaches from the foothills of the Himalayas down to the Bay of Bengal. It is the world's largest tea-producing region, contributing 700 million kilos annually. Arvinda Anantharaman recounts the storied history on the 200th anniversary of the planting of the first tea gardens in Assam. More in a minute, but first this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia tea estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. 77 tea workers injured during post-election violence in Kenya were voluntarily compensated by Unilever in an ex gratia agreement ending a dispute dating to 2007, according to The Guardian. UK law firm Lee Day represented the workers, many of whom were members of the Kasai tribe working at Unilever's Karako plantation. The law firm said workers had been unfairly, quote, sidestepped, end quote, by the multinational. Seven people were killed and more than 50 workers were raped during the assault by armed Kalijan who wielded machetes and looted homes, targeting the garden workers. The plantation was ransacked and temporarily closed after the attacks. When it reopened, Unilever said it gave workers money, furniture, bedding, and clothing to replace looted items. 
It also said it offered medical support and counseling. Workers who did not return were offered redundancy packages, the company said. Returning workers were paid 80 British pounds, about $100 U.S. A 2015 lawsuit filed in the U.K. that alleged the payments were not proportionate to the harm suffered was later dismissed, according to the law firm, which continued to pursue settlement outside the courts. David Roberts, a lawyer with the firm, told The Guardian, quote, We feel strongly that what happened to the workers was wrong. The manner in which Unilever has responded to their complaints is an injustice that needs to be dealt with, end quote. In 2020, 218 tea pickers filed a complaint with the UN alleging the Unilever violated international human rights standards by not adequately assisting them. In May of 2023, the UN's Working Group on Human Rights and Business wrote Unilever, expressing, quote, deep concern, end quote, that victims had, quote, not had access to justice and or an effective remedy, end quote. In the settlement, Unilever denied responsibility and rejected allegations that it failed in its duty to care to employees and their families. Specific amounts paid to individuals were not disclosed. Taiwan's market for bottled non-alcoholic beverages exceeded $1.75 billion in 2023, driven by the growth of bottled tea. According to the Ministry of Economic Affairs, tea accounts for a third of the category by sales. Tea drinks in the past year generated sales of 580 million U.S. dollars, about 18.8 billion Taiwan dollars, an increase of 6.4% compared to the non-alcoholic beverage category as a whole, which grew 3.8% to a record 57 billion Taiwan dollars, according to the ministry. It is the seventh consecutive year the non-alcoholic beverage market posted a positive gain as tea drinks regained their popularity, the ministry told the Taipei Times. Thirty years ago, tea drinks accounted for 46.5% of the bottled beverage market, but fell out of favor in the mid-1990s. Sales were $26.5 billion in 1994. There are now many more compelling products in categories such as functional beverages and fortified bottled water, but the ministry credited the tea industry for developing new products and successful promotions. Sales of functional beverages and bottled water followed tea drinks, with $14.4 billion in sales rising 1.2% annually, for the past six years, and now accounting for 25.4% of the market. Sports drinks and mineral water grew 15% to 3.1 billion Taiwan dollars, and carbonated beverages rose 5% to 5.6 billion Taiwan dollars, the biggest increase since 2012, thanks to the category shift to better market dietary needs. According to the ministry, consumption of fruit and vegetable juices declined 2% and 
as people shifted to eating raw fruit and freshly made juices. Sales of coffee drinks fell 0.6% to 5.8 billion Taiwan dollars as customers displayed a preference for brewed coffee. Business Insight The ready-to-drink tea market is brewing a strong global presence and will reach 47.13 billion by 2028, according to Ariston Market Research. The ready-to-drink tea market is forecast to grow at a combined annual rate of 5.43% during 2022 through 2028. Most bottled tea is purchased on-premise, but e-commerce sales of RTDT is growing. Online distribution allows for a broader reach for manufacturers and more convenient access to RTDT products. As the cost of last-mile delivery declines, online marketplaces and e-commerce platforms such as Amazon, Alibaba, and eBay benefit from their wide selection of RTDT products. Heat not burn sticks saturated with nicotine are one way that tobacco companies hope to avoid the toxicity of burning cigarettes, enabling users to inhale the addictive drug. British American Tobacco recently introduced a rooibos-based heat stick. Health experts warn their safety is unclear, according to a report by Reuters. The heat sticks are available in nine European markets, including Germany and Greece. The innovation potentially circumvents a soon-to-be-enforced ban by the European Union on flavored heated tobacco products, such as menthol cigarettes. In a prepared statement released to the press, the tobacco company writes that it is striving to provide, quote, adult nicotine users and smokers with the widest possible range of reduced-risk products, end quote. Reuters reports that tobacco companies have yet to publish any research showing the health implications of rooibos or other zero-tobacco sticks. Quote, Bat, the first big tobacco player to say that its zero-tobacco sticks are made from, declined to say whether it has conducted safety research, end quote according to Reuters. The company told Reuters that BAT's zero-tobacco sticks are not subject to current EU tobacco rules. The company sells brands Dunhill, Lucky Strike, and Camel in 170 markets globally. Rival tobacco manufacturer Philip Morris International announced it will introduce a zero-tobacco heat stick later this year. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for sales 38 to 41. The Indian Tea Association has said that the average auction prices at Kolkata saw a dip between July and September this year, coming down about 46 rupees per kilo, and this is attributed to a few factors, primarily the loss of Iran as a significant market, coupled with an increase in production of orthodox tea in Assam because of government subsidies offered for orthodox tea production. In the last four weeks, the auctions have seen a mixed bag, beginning with a slow and sluggish pace, but picking up in the last two sales. 
Overall sales 38 to 41 saw about 93 tons of tea at the auction with an overall sale percentage of 76% and an average price of 177 rupees a kilo. Across these four sale weeks, Calcutta saw 5,730 tons of orthodox tea, a sale percentage of 85%, an average price of 222 rupees a kilo. The FBOP and GBOP were the top selling rates. CTC, on the other hand, saw 74% sale volume on over 18,000 tons, selling at an average of 218 rupees a kilo. Less than half of Darjeeling on offer was sold. Gohati saw a good demand for Orthodox with 92% sale volume for October so far and the average prices are 228 rupees a kilo with BOP and OP grades being the top selling grades. Nearly 28,000 tons of CTC were on offer with 72% sale volume and 197 rupees a kilo as average price. In the south, Cochin saw about 5,000 tons on offer with 80% sale volume and average of 135 rupees. Both Orthodox and CTC grades saw good demand in Kunur, although CTC prices were sub 100 per kilo. A comparison of sale weeks 38 to 41 for 2023 and 2022 shows that in North India, volume of CTC leaf sold was up from 27,000 tons to nearly 40,000 tons, while in the south, about 1,000 tons of CTC leaf was sold in excess this year compared to last year. Prices for all teas have remained similar or slightly lower this year. In November, the North Indian auctions will revert to the old, old style of British auctions, starting sale 45. Sale 43 stands closed on account of Durga Puja celebration, and sale 44 may also be cancelled if the board needs the time to transition to the old system. The Bharat auction will continue as is in South India. News Brief the Indian Tea Association released a status paper, Tea Scenario 2023, last week. It once again emphasizes the crisis faced by the industry, particularly with markets and prices. The paper said that tea prices increased at a compounded annual growth rate of about 4% over the last decade. But costs of vital inputs such as coal and gas has grown at a CAGR of 9 to 15% for the same period. Additionally, production has increased, resulting in a surplus that neither the domestic market nor exports have been able to absorb. And Iran, which used to account for 20% of Indian tea exports, has not been active this year. Auction prices for 2023 compared with 2022 show an alarming decrease of 12 rupees 49 paise per kilo for Assam CTC and dust. This is for sales 14 to 39. And 11 rupees 30 paise per kilo for tea from West Bengal. Auction prices for orthodox grades have also been down by 95 rupees per kilogram for sale weeks 14 to 39. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple to operate smartphone control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time, and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack 
it's deep, simply and conveniently. The story of tea in a psalm is fascinating. It dates to antiquity as one of the birthplaces of tea and remains relevant today. Situated in the Brahmaputra Valley, a psalm reaches from the foothills of the Himalayas down to the Bay of Bengal. It is the world's largest tea-producing region, contributing 700 million kilos of tea annually. Arvinda Anantharaman recounts the storied history on the 200th anniversary of the planting of the first tea gardens in Assam. Twenty twenty three has been a special year for Assam tea as it marks 200 years since the industry began here. Perhaps its history is much older thanks to its proximity to Yunnan's borders and a tradition of tea drinking that must have existed for a long time. However, we acknowledge a more modern history of 200 years when the British East India Company, in seeking to break the Chinese monopoly over tea, not only developed alternate homes for the plant but also, having been introduced to the Camellia sinensis, a Samica varietal that hardy cultivar that produces a flavorful black tea, set out to create large-scale plantations with it. The fertile Brahmaputra Valley became the world's largest single tea-growing region, a claim it continues to hold. Assam tea's 200-year history is one that has been built by several people whose bravado, innovation and business have furthered its story. We take a look at some of them. The pioneers, the Bruce brothers Robert and Charles, feature in Assam tea history significantly as having recognized that there was tea grown and drunk here and then setting off the chain of events that led to the confirmation of this plant varietal. But let's not forget the contributions made by local Assamese. Pradeep Barua, tea scientist and author of 200 Years of Assam Tea, tells the story of Ningrula, the chief of the Ningru clan of the Singfo tribe. Ningrula, he says, was not only encouraged by the British to cultivate tea, but even taught how to make it in the Chinese style. They then bought his tea and then sent it to auctions, and by 1840, Ningrula had brought a lot of land under tea cultivation and is considered to be the first Indian tea planter. But claiming the spot as India's first commercial tea planter is Maniram Datta Barua, who is believed to have introduced Robert Bruce to Bisagam, a Singfo chief. Now, the Singfos were known to grow and root leaves of this wild plant. It was not known that this was also Camellia sinensis. When these leaves were confirmed to be Camellia sinensis, what happened next was the beginning of the creation of a plantation industry. Barua at first was a British East India Company employee, and when they formed the Assam Tea Company in 1839, he was appointed its Divan, which is equal to a minister. And in this role, he set up several gardens for the company. When he resigned in 1845, Maniram Barua was himself a tea planter, owning two tea gardens, Sinamora in Jorhat and Singlung in Sibsagar. Now, Barua was pro-aristocracy, and while he may have hoped the British would support it, that was not to be. So he joined the protests against the British that began with the Sepoy Mutiny in 1857. He was arrested and publicly hanged on 25th February 1858, and it's believed that his commercial success became his undoing. We have the machine makers. Assam became the site where large-scale tea plantation began, and 
This is to be credited to the industrial innovation taking place in Europe. The credit for pioneering innovations in tea machinery goes to a few Scotsmen, William Jackson, Samuel Davidson, and William McCurcher. Jackson's story is that in 1875, he was returning from Assam, where he was a tea planter, to England, when he saw a portable steam engine for a centrifugal pump made by Marshall, Sons & Co. Jackson began, began collaborating with them in a relationship that would last 40 years and see Marshall becoming one of the world's largest manufacturers of tea rolling and drying machines. Samuel Davidson's introduction to tea was as a 17-year-old when he came to visit his father at his estate in Kutcher. Among his earliest inventions was a dryer meant to replace the rolling stage in tea making. Over the next several years, Davidson set up the Sirocco Engineering Works, and his inventions include the ventilating fans for the Titanic, that British ship that sank in the Atlantic in 1912. And as for William McCurcher, in 1930, when he was superintendent at the Amguri estate in Assam, he invented a machine that could crush, tear, and curl the leaves. McCurcher's original machine had two pairs of rollers, one below the other, and along the way this changed to a single pair per machine. An early problem was this machine tended to break down frequently. This was fixed by the in the 1950s by the small tools manufacturing company in Kolkata. And this invention would go on to change both the scale and size of the Assam tea industry by introducing the CTC style. Another contribution to the CTC tea production was Ian McTeer, another Scotsman, who was Stocklise engineering head, who in 1951 became its head and went on to in invent the rotovane in 1957. The rotovane reduced the time for rolling but ensured that the leaves were properly macerated. So this, coupled with McCurcher's machine, furthered the production of the CTC style, which Assam became famous for and continues to be. The tea industry early on saw the need for scientific knowledge and research, and in 1900, the Indian Tea Association, the body of tea planters, set up a scientific department to take up tea research, with Dr. Harold H. Mann as its head. In 1911, this was consolidated as the Toklai Experimental Station in Jorhat. Half a century later, the Tea Research Association was formed, with Toklai at the center of all activities. The Toklai Tea Research Center in Jorhat is the oldest and largest research, research station of its kind. The work carried out here was instrumental in improving the production and yield when the industry was reaching a stalemate. Some of the things that have come out of here include the standardization of vegetative propagation of tea and pioneering the development and propagation of clones. Several of these can be credited to Toklai. Several of Toklai scientists can claim a place in the Tea Hall of Fame for their contributions to advancing tea research. And among them, KCGH Gilchrist, India's first tea taster, and his successor, John M. Trinick, who helped standardize tea tasting, taking it out of its subjectivity state into a system that was linked to quality. And then, of course, the business of tea. In the 1960s, the Foreign Exchange Regulation Act was passed, which made it unviable for non-Indians to continue to work here. And although many British had remained beyond independence in 1947, this act changed it. Even as they made their exit, gardens owned by them were sold to Indians. And what some of them have built is a legacy today. Like Bridgemohan Kaitan, who is remembered for how he Indianized Williamson Magor, retaining the best of its colonial inheritance with the administration, process, integrity, and charm, 
to attract the finest Indian talent. Bridgemohan Kaitan's association with Williamson Magor began as a principal supplier of plywood packaging material and fertilizer. But when he bailed the group from a hostile takeover from an investor, he was invited to join the board of directors. This was in 1963. He soon became a co-owner and led the business incredibly effectively, expanding Magor's footprint in tea, but also other industries. As recently as 2001, Kaitan split with the Magors, but within four years took over the tea business from Williamson Tea Assam. And he went on to turn Williamson Magor into the largest bulk tea producer in the world, acquiring tea gardens in Rwanda and Vietnam. One of Assam's most famous tea companies is B&A Limited, the first company promoted by an Assamese family to be listed in the Bombay, Calcutta and Guwahati stock exchanges. It was started by Himendra Prasad Barua, thought to be an eccentric man. In the 1940s, the Kongya Barua family, to which Himendra Prasad Barua belonged, was the richest in Assam. Himendra's father, Pisturam Barua, had been an astute entrepreneur and his grandson had in- inherited his business acumen. Himendra Barua had earned his, uh, an MBA from Harvard in the 40s and on returning home took over the family business. He was among the first to start selling directly to auctions rather than via the management agencies as was the norm. He also showed what a corporate tea company could look like and work like. Today, BNA owns 70 estates in Assam, producing 5.5 million kilos of tea per year. And this includes the famous Gatunga tea estate that continues to top auctions every week for prices. Barua also diversified into packaging, broking, tourism, opening his family home as Tengal Manor to visitors, setting up the company Heritage Northeast, setting up Kaziranga Gulf Resort. He also contributed to the setting up of the tea auction center at Gohati and founded the first tea broking company in Assam, which is still a company to reckon with. Now, the large estates have in recent decades had to make way for the small tea growers, a significant segment, segment in the tea ecosystem. And a man who pioneered the movement here is Gangadhar Saikya. In 1978, Gangadhar Saikya started planting tea on a little more than an acre of land in Golagat. But 1978 was a momentous year because the agriculture minister of the time withdrew a rule that had been put in place by the British that stated that only large landowners, that's owners owning at least 200 bigas where 1 biga is 0.6 acres, could cultivate tea. With this change, anybody who owned about 6 acres could become a tea planter and Saikya did just that. And he was a headmaster at the village school and decided he would become a tea planter. And by doing so, what he did was to show people what was possible because without his example, few in his village may have gone down this path. He said to have urged villagers to plant tea in sugarcane and fallow land and eventually sugarcane was dropped but tea remained a profitable business. Interestingly, the rise of this multi-grower was seen in parts of Assam that, was, that were most affected by the Alpha insurgency which is in Upper Assam and Tinsukhia. Alpha, or the United Liberation Front of Assam, started in 1979 to lead an armed struggle for the separation of Assam state from India. In 1987, the Assam Small Tea Growers Association was formed. In 1991, Saikya became its president. And from two bigas, he went on to acquire 68 bigas, that's 41 acres, increasing his production and his earnings. That one could farm and grow tea without a factory became an important factor in shifting both economics and production. 
Assam tea today, with 347,000 hectares under cultivation, remains a significant industry. There are over 700 estates and over 100,000 small tea growers in Assam. Still famous for its GI-protected orthodox black tea and CTC, what is slowly changing is a growing segment of small farmers and also the willingness of producers to explore new tea-making styles. Of these new and artisanal styles, the scale may be small, but the broad range and quality of teas coming from here indicates that the change has been set in motion. With the new generation of SMEs taking on the mantle and bridging tradition with innovation, technology and marketing tea, it's well poised for change and for a new chapter to begin as it nears the end of its 200th year. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.